we are part of Jesus birthing something, we are not building anything. And so the posture constantly is, what is Jesus birthing? What do we observe him doing? And how do we join in that? So that we are not running ahead of him. You know what I mean? We are either walking alongside him or kind of following as he as he leads us. And so the horizon of where, where are we going to be in two years from now? I don't do that to myself. I could. I do that all the time in my other things of life, but I don't do it here because then I'm going to run ahead of the Lord. So it's more of a, a shorter time frame that I look at. What is God doing right now and how do we join in that and, and move that with that? Welcome to In the Room with Communitas North America. It's a time when we invite you to enter our world for a brief conversation and hear more about what we are passionate about as a missional and microchurch network. We also hope that these conversations will inspire you to think about new ways of being the church in North America. I am Leon Longard, the team lead for Communitas North America. My co-host in these conversations is James Cola. So grab yourself a favorite beverage, have a seat, and join us around the table. Hi, everybody. I'm James. With me, I have Leon and Diana today. This is In the Room with Communitas North America. We really hope that this time is a time where we get to kind of present who Communitas North America is a little bit better, what we're about. We also hope that it is a time where we get to just explore like what mission and faith community looks like in our present world. And lastly, we really hope that this is a time that is encouraging and inspiring for us as well as everybody joining us. Yeah, and I'm excited about today's conversation, James, because we have a good friend, Diana McCartan. I've known Diana for as long as I've been in Communitas. I think one of my first encounters was being on a panel with Diana at the Chicago Connect uh, quite a while ago um, when we were, we were talking about justice. And um, really have always been impressed with her work in St. Paul and the things that she's doing with um, friends who are experiencing homelessness. And I wanted to, so I'm really excited we get a chance to talk about the work that she's doing, hear her passion, and really tie it into the topic last week where we were talking about embedding and initiating in a community and how we get to know the people that God is placing, calling us on mission to be with, and then how we present a gospel witness that we, we, present the good news to um, the people that we are we are connecting with. So Diana, it's good to have you on the program. Could you tell us a little bit about like your history with Communitas and how you got involved and kind of what brought you to where you're at now? Sure. And thanks for uh, having me guys. I, did you guys hear that? Oh, that was on my end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my phone resting on here. Um, so I've been involved with Communitas International for since 
2009. All right. So 13 years we're going on. Um, it was an interesting way it all came about. Um, I was neighbors with Kevin and Kathy Johnson. And Kevin is now um, in senior leadership of Communitas International. Um, and was friends with them when they ended up moving over to the Netherlands to um, pastor uh, Communitas um, church plant there. And um, through the course of that, through the course of my friendship with them, I got to hear one, all the cool things um, Communitas International is doing. Um, and then two, uh, out of that, they shared with me a conference that they had been to in which Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch had been present and they were as a community that the organization was going through um, one of the books they had those two guys had authored called the shaping the shape of things to come at the same time all that was going on I and my own in the states um, had been called by the Lord to pastor a church and was in seminary and um, was wrestling in a lot of ways about this call because two things were going on. One, I, for example, would drive down a street, any given street, and I'd see a church of one denomination on one side of the street and a church of another denomination on the other side, on the other side of the street. And, I quickly think about all the spent resources to keep those two buildings going and what a shame it was to have that kind of division of denominations going, even though it's a saint, still a Christian church. Not, you know, that's a whole other discussion about whether that's good or bad. I'm just sharing with you the struggles I was having about having this call from the Lord and then, um, what to do with my ecclesiology with all that? What is church supposed to look like? I job to even today is in the corporate world in finance and banking. And through those relationships in my working life, um, I had had a lot of powerful opportunities to share the good news with coworkers of mine, um, just through the working partnerships or times we spend together on lunch, et cetera. And so I, I could see God using me in powerful ways outside the church, okay? So I'm trying to wrestle with all this um, as I'm finishing up some. When I got a hold of the book, The Shape of Things to Come, um, it was like all my answers were put right in front of me. That book speaks a lot about these organic missional communities that all look different throughout the world, um, but are centered on the person of Jesus. And so they gather around the heart's desire to want to know more about Jesus, but they don't in any way fit any kind of church in a block, church in a box, denominational, here's how you start church kind of a thing. Um, they These communities are formed, um, which as we see, the same thing going on with Communitas International, but these communities are formed around 
well, what's God doing in this context? What is drawing people together? Um, what is working with that, you know, with that leader? Wh where do they have impact in the world? And what are their heart's cries um, to care for others in a missional way? And of course, we know that can look very different. There's a lot of ways that can look. And so the freedom to kind of break free of the standard church in a box and to see that the things that um, were laid on my heart when I felt God calling me to pastor a church um, were, were not the things I was seeing driving down the streets, um, but were in fact working across the world in the examples provided um, in the shape of things to come book. And then as I come to realize through Communitas International and a lot of the partner churches that were going on. So that's how I, so I plugged in right away, reached out to the North American director at the time, shared with them my heart's cry to, to start something here in Minnesota and um, just got plugged in from there. Cool. Uh, Diana, one of the things we wanted to hear from you on this morning or this afternoon, evening was... <laughs> was about some of the work that you are doing with people living on the streets. Could you share with us just like what led you to start pursuing relationships with people living on the streets? What that yeah. look like a little bit? So when we first started, and just to clarify so people don't get confused as they start talking, my church, the organization I lead is called Communitas Twin Cities. And I always have to laugh and say this, we had the name first. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's, you know, it works great as International, but we had, before Communitas International had taken that name, we were already Communitas Twin City. So, um, so as I say that, if I don't say Communitas International, I'm talking about Communitas Twin Cities, if I just say Communitas. So um, when Communitas started after, uh, I kind of felt the freedom to do that after the book and realizing the kind of... Uh, non-traditional churches that were happening in the world. Um, we started out as uh, a group of people who did mission first. So before we even met in any kind of a house church setting or anything, we did serve events because I wanted that to be our core. Um, and at the time, and for probably the first two, two and a half years, we did a variety of things where we served the community. Could have been feed my starving children. Um, a lot of times we would um, partner with other small ministries that we knew um, needed help. Uh, where one example is um, a community that worked with at privileged youth, I mean, non-privileged youth, youth, at-risk youth. And um, they, at the time, had an Amazon bookstore, so they sold books, and that was kind of a job skills program for these youth. And so we would go around to neighborhoods, and we would um, ask for donations of books, of books people didn't want anymore. Uh, that was one example. Another ministry partnered with um, Fed. They were called, um, it's called Kitchen. It's been a while. And we partnered with them, so they went and they served um, meals out of the parking lot of a local shelter. So we worked with them um, where we helped serve the meals. 
And so there was a variety of different things that we did for those two, two and a half years. And then we realized we were hungering for more. We were hungering to build relationships with the people that we were serving. And it's just time to kind of step out in that way and get community formed. And so we met together as a group, this group of volunteers, and we talked about what are the things that our hearts were most passionate about. And we all unanimously said people without homes. That was what we really felt led to be a part of and to focus our serving on. So then we shifted to, to that. I'm working entirely with, with that community. For a number of years, five years or so, uh, we partnered with a different ministry that had a food truck. They let us use their food truck and we, we prepared and served meals off the food truck on a random corner on the west side of St. Paul. Um, and then most recently, over the last three years, we now um, have come inside. So all those years we did the food truck, whether we had the food truck or not, there was you know, probably seven years, seven and a half years in their total. We met, so we met outside, snow, rain, whatever it was, wow. we met outside um, on this little sidewalk area that had a little grassy knoll by it. And um, and it was really cool, actually, to be doing that. I actually, we miss it in some ways, but about um, two and a half years ago, we decided to find something inside uh, because we realized, I'm going to back into this a little bit, but um, one of our events once a year is we would um, host a dinner inside a banquet room of a local restaurant where everyone could come in and have a really nice sit-down meal. Um, and when we did that, we realized how much more community we could build and how much more engaging people were when we weren't worried about the road noise outside we weren't about the rain falling on us, et cetera. People could just kind of relax a little bit more and just sit down when they we were sheltered. Duh. When we were uh. sheltered in meeting. Okay. So we said, ah, we got to get inside so we can go deep. Um, so for the last two and a half years, we rent in a space out of a, a local church. Um, so that's, that's kind of the story how we got there. But that's the story how we um, geared ourselves, yeah. focused on working with, um, the unsheltered people, which is an entirely different community than who we are as volunteers. Um, you know, we're all middle class, corporate, um, suburban living folks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Diana. Um, I thought a question that'd be fun to ask you was, um, what have you been surprised by as you've developed friendships with people living on the streets? It's an absolutely beautiful thing that I never, or I never expected. Um, these guys are really open to relationship and they trusted us rather quickly. Um, community formed. The community is chaotic, goes with the territory, but community is there. That makes sense. Um, we do a lot of surveys like, um, what do you like most about you know, um, coming to attend 
our gatherings and because we give out bus cards and there's just different things and um hands down the response is the community that's how they respond that's how they respond they really like the community so the impact of these folks being known and having a place where they're known and loved if that makes sense um probably almost in a family sense in a lot of ways um so the community has just formed really fast inhibitions that other people typically have they're not as strong you know the it, the low inhibitions were lower, which is great. And then the gratefulness. Um, I've served in a lot of different uh, arenas, and sometimes you can bump into some entitlement and some and some other things, but there's a real profound gratefulness with this community that, and you don't need it, you don't need to hear that back, but the fact that they give it, um, I think it's just a beautiful thing of, of, God at work where we can just show those kinds of emotions and let those guards down to show, you know, even gratefulness. Um, yeah, I think those are the things that have surprised me the most. Thanks, Diana. Yeah. So Diana, we, in Communitas, we talk about, um, you know, initiating a gospel witness or sharing good news. And, as you were connecting with the people living on the streets in St. Paul and then building this community, how did you discern what it looked like to apply the gospel or good news uh, among the friends who were living on the street? Yeah. You know, I think there's like two different, two different ways, maybe three. The first one was you, this won't be surprising to anyone. You go in to listen. You don't. You don't go into um, with your ideas. You go in to listen and really get to see and understand um, the community that you're engaging with. Because, as I explained earlier, you know that this is a completely different community than the typical people any of us hang around with. You know, or have had relationships with. So, there's a very uh, submissive posture there um, and a learning uh, and receptive posture. I also, and I say this quite often to, um, to my leadership team. So, cause I know this about my own weakness. So I'm corporate skilled minded, however you want to look at that. And there's ways we could go in and we could build the church. We could have our own ideas of how to build something. We all know how to do stuff like that, right? And go in and just make it happen. But we, I, and then it, with the leadership team, um, I constantly uh, share this. So as we are planning things, we, we take this posture. And here's the posture that we are part of Jesus birthing something. We are not building anything. And so the posture constantly is, what is Jesus birthing? What do we observe him doing? And how do we join in that? So that we are not running ahead of him. You know what I mean? We are either walking alongside him or kind of following as he, as he leads us. And so the horizon of where, where are we going to be in two years from now? I don't do that to myself. I could. I do that all the time in my other things of life, but I don't do it here. 
because then I'm going to run ahead of the Lord. So it's more of a, a shorter time frame that I look at. What is God doing right now? And how do we join in that and, and move that with that? So that's the one, that's the posture that we've um, established. And then when you look at the life of Jesus, if you just imagine that, that Jesus is with the, with you, with whatever community you're with, and this is what we do with, you know, communitized Twin Cities, what would he want? What would he want that community to know if he were there? What were the, what are the things about his kingdom and his good news that are really applicable to folks that are in that kind of situation? Which some things are obviously applicable universally, but some things are more of a heart's cry depending on the various situations you're in. Um, you are never alone. Um, loaves and fishes, that's been a big one, uh, um, that God takes little and, and makes much with it. Um, loving your neighbor. And, you know, there, this is an environment where it's easy to get really frustrated waiting in lines all the time or people trying to butt in lines or people trying to steal from you and you know, there's just a lot of different things going on. And so just what are the things um, that are that you sense the Lord would want these folks to know? And another one, too, is just that the kingdom is for you. Um, like I in around Easter, we did the whole, a teaching on the veil being torn when Jesus dies on the cross and how that's available to us all. And that was just extremely powerful for our group to some got some already knew that, but just some didn't. Um, and so, yeah, that's just how I tried to discern it and um, how to speak to them as a sense God's uh, leading us to speak to them. Um, but it is teaching in Christ's teachings. And, you know, he gives us for this community, he gives us so many examples of what it looks like to share the good news with folks in these situations, because that was one of his biggest hearts cry. One of the biggest things he did is, you know, reached out to the, to the one society turned away from and, you know, welcomed them in and, had helped them to know that they weren't any less than. That wow, that is all beautiful, beautiful yeah. stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I get what you're saying about discerning. It's just really that's not our nature. We always want to come in with our plan. And oh yeah. And you, just don't do you, that because that will you, yeah. 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 Cool. So uh, the Bible, on. you know, talks about loving people in word. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to add one other thing. Um, I don't stand. Go up ahead, Diana. <laughs> yeah, I want to share. You know, this is another thing. You know, the traditional way of how we teach you know, in the context of our missional church gatherings, I don't, I don't stand up and preach. 
um, it's a discussion that we have. I'll put out something, a biblical truth, that, and then we have discussion times around it. And I really open up, you know, it's scarier doing that. It's a lot easier to just get up and give a message and, and you don't get any feedback, right? But if you just start giving the message and then you allow for all this feedback right away, and, um, you know, and the, maybe a little more even in this context, but, you know, I'll get some, some wild thoughts coming back. <laughs> and, uh, and, but it's okay because... <laughs> share right and and um how do i say this it's okay because we're all there to learn and it's not so hard to just no matter what the thoughts are that are shared then you just share back you know as was you understand you know what the bible means by this or what the truth is here and um there's just no harm no foul in it but it's a much um, more open way of doing the discussion than just preaching at them. I also, I don't use four syllable words, right? I don't use big words to, to share and you don't, we don't need to, but be mindful of your audiences. I guess what I'm saying, you know? Um, yeah. No, nope, that's all. I just wanted to share that. With you. I think this like yeah. brings up a good question of like, how have you guys developed a unique expression of church that fits the community that's grown around you? So, you know, and I don't know if this is what you're looking for on the answer. I'd go back to that whole birthing thing as far as we just went in with the love of Christ. We used a meal to get around yeah and there's also the practicality of you meet physical needs first you know um and then we just um kind of discerned you know day meeting by meeting what was working what was working with the community yeah here's an example of something so this happened last year we so I'm, this will show you that we're not perfect and we're still learning. So we've been doing, you know, we've been gathering like this with this community for what, seven years or so? Probably a little longer. But last year, we it was Mother's Day and we had planned these flowers and these candy bars that we were going to give all the females in the community. And one of our male members comes in and the candy bars are kind of set aside, but he saw them and he went to grab one. And we're like, no, 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 those are for, <laughs> this is, I'm so ashamed of this. No, 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 those are for uh, our Mother's Day gifts. Well, he was a little upset about it, but he put the candy bar back down and some events happened later on in the gathering. And then we were serving the meal and he had torn into it so viciously, the meal, um, that we just knew something's up. Well, it turned out he had come, he hadn't eaten. He hadn't eaten for like 24 hours when he came. Mm -hmm. And here we were locked into our little plan of serving these candy bars, you know, and these flowers to the, the females. But we had someone come in that was super hungry, right? So 
so that's what we learned from that. And now we have water and snacks available for anyone when they come in while we're doing everything else. So if you're coming in really that hungry, you know, we have something for you until the meals. That's just one example of, of building, figuring out how to build community, you know, in the context. Um, yeah. Can yeah. Was there more that you're looking for on that, James? No, I think you kind of like were starting to like go down that road when you were talking okay. about like using a discussion forum and like not just like assaulting people with academic language. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I just think that's such an important part of the conversation we're having is like, oh, it's like we should be growing churches that like fit the people that the church is growing among. Yeah. And it goes back to that, like, we shouldn't be so married to the model that we aren't caring for the people well. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, because a lot of the things that we do just go against our, my, and as my other volunteers, just natural way of doing things, but it's what is needed and what works in that context, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we're just kind of, what's the word I want to say? Maybe it's humble. Uh, maybe we, it's a sense of humility. Maybe it's like a, I don't want to be cliche about this, but you know, you really are just dying to self. All right, Lord, here I am. Blank slate. How do you want to use me? And just kind of set back all your ideas of, what you think you should bring and be in tune with the community, what the community is saying, you know, they can be simple things. <laughs> we serve apples and then we realize that half our community doesn't have the teeth to eat. Yeah. apples, So don't serve apples anymore to, um, <laughs> to, we were given out bus cards and um, the bus cards are great that we distribute, but there are a few people that have cars. So, you know, not all our community lives on the streets. And that that ebbs and flows um, based on the economy, um, also based on, uh, we, we're in Ramsey County of St. Paul, and Ramsey County did a great push during COVID to get uh, many, many, many people that were living in tents off the streets and in shelters. And so you know, there's a big change from people that are living outside to living inside. And But a good, but a good portion of our community is unsheltered in that is homeless and that they don't have their own home but they do have a shelter they can go to yeah yeah but, but anyway so a few people had cars well then maybe we should be getting gas cards for those guys instead of bus cards they don't you know need the bus card kind of a thing and so different shifts like that uh um there's been a couple other examples where um because of the reading abilities for a lot of people, um, I realized that a lot of times visuals work really, really good. So I've shifted to do things a lot visually because even talking sometimes, you know, your your um, your ability to absorb and process information, you know, that might not be as strong. And so, but a visual can work really good to speaking with people. So it's just a variety of things of really, yeah, really knowing your audience and being willing to do non-conventional things. Yeah. 
Yes, Diana. I think that answered the question mm. very well. Good. Good. Yeah, that did. That did very well. Yeah. Well, I don't see that we have any audience questions. We do have a comment from Paula Lee Milney. Says, love people where they are as Jesus does. Is that one of, your, is that one of yours, Diana? Yes, I volunteer. <laughs> She's a great one. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. So. That's awesome. <laughs> she says, I love our Spanish interpreter. <laughs> so. We do have one. So we have a Latino community so. within. They have about eight to ten we have about eight to 10 uh, Latino speaking people. And um, for a long time, I was Google translating the bulletin that I hand out, you know, and, but of course, Google translation doesn't do it like a, like a Latino, like a Spanish speaking person would do it. Um, but we decided, we finally decided to hire an interpreter. So he speaks while I'm speaking and that is really um, open up things nicely with our Latino community. But, it, mm. um, cool. you know, if you think about others that are embedding, whether it's in the States or around the world and what they're, I think people, you know, who are called to lead a church like this, they have a sense of how God uses them in what context, how God uses them. Um, and to just, Yes, to just step forward and build something around that. It doesn't have to follow anything prescribed, other than it has to be about Jesus. You know what I mean? You know, the structure doesn't have to follow anything prescribed. Um, it can be, I mean, God's such a creative God as it is anyway, right? That his churches are going to look unique. And he is going to move in ways that are going to be different mm -hmm. from another. And yeah. Someone, when I first started, when I was trying to get started with this, you know, I was fretting about, oh, I got to build a team, you know, and we just start meeting about this and um, kind of, you know, I kind of do like this planning period, okay? And my mentors at the time, one of them was a mentor, was a the executive pastor of a pretty good you know, 1,500, 2,000 member church here. Um, and then the others were just some seasoned friends of mine, but they said, just start, just just start what you're doing. And so when I started, when we started, uh, you know, we had seven people or whatever, you know, and four of them were volunteers and three were some community members we happened to stumble across or however it were, you know, it was just, yeah. but just start. It, God builds it, you know. Um, yeah, you just start. Diana, it sounds like at some point you guys probably had to transition from like casually sharing a meal with a group of people living on the streets and into a faith community. Is that like a fair? Um, no, I don't think so, James, because we mm, maybe we were always sharing. We yeah. were always praying and we were always sharing the word, you know. Uh, um, yeah. But I think you're right in the way of, like, last year was the first time we did baptisms. Okay. So, yes, we matured as a faith community. I think that is where you're going. Okay. Um, 
and again, I don't, you know, for at least for communitized Twin Cities, it didn't feel it didn't it didn't feel right to do until it, until last year. And then when we did it, we had eight people, which is a really good um, yeah number for the size of our community. You know, that wanted to be baptized, and we we got an inflatable pool, and we put it in the parking lot of St. Mark's Church, and we did it there. I mean, um, but yes, so I think we are finally starting to grow deeper or mature as a faith community now. And we also um, just in the last six months started another meeting, which is a Bible study gathering. Um, so we don't do a meal or anything at that one because we want to be more present with the people. Mm. And so, yes, um, that's another you know piece of us maturing as a faith community. That's a good question, James. Yeah. I think it's a part of the like process that's intimidating for people sometimes is that like the I have a group of people that I'm like doing life with in relationship with what does it look like to start pursuing Jesus together yeah which it sounds like you guys have has been like a gradual process for you guys but also a really like beautiful process and something that's been fun to be part of it is and it's I mean with Jesus as the common denominator, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, again, these are folks that uh, are not, are not you know, the ones that you are normally social contract, right? Us with them and them with us. But we're so genuinely excited to see one another and be together. Um, and that just really says something, I think, about what God has done with our hearts in in the context of... Um, this being a missional church to this being this community to this being this family kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think another thing I'm just going to add this in. Um, personally, I come from a, uh, my life, my life is not has not been a fairy tale life. It's been, <clears throat> um, it's had a lot of brokenness in it with family and marriage and all kinds of things. And I find, you know, some of the most powerful times with the community where they really, really feel connected is when I share that um, with them. And we find our common ground a lot of times in that brokenness together. Um, and then what, how Jesus has met us in it. So I think it's always really important to be very real um, as, you're, as you're serving these communities and, and let them into your story. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. That is, that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely. Well, um, yeah. I was gonna say we definitely we definitely like invite when we are willing to be vulnerable, we give people permission to be vulnerable. And I think there's just some affirmation in that when someone's like, "Yeah, it's been like, it's been a hard day. It's been a hard year. 
it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone in going through those spaces. There's not something wrong with me going through those things. Exactly. What a beautiful thing to get to share with individuals living on the streets where I think, I think you're talking about that, like, you guys, that's a, two groups that don't often run together and what a like powerful way to like bridge that divide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a really cool, really cool experience. There's no other way I'd want to do church. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I don't think we've got any other audience questions. Or do you got another one, James? No, no, no. no. I was going to close. I was going to wrap us up. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Diana, thank you so much for sharing. I really enjoyed that. That was encouraging. And it is just, it's cool to hear stories of like the church thriving in. I think just places that I'm removed from and I often like don't get that picture. Sure. So I thank you for your voice and bringing that to us today. Uh, next week, we're going to get to talk with Jody Hansen about criminal justice reform. We're really looking forward to that as well. So all right, two weeks from now. So Diana, thank you again. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us for In the Room with Communitas North America. In the show notes, you will find links to any resources we mentioned during the, our conversation. If you are interested in learning more about connecting and working with Communitas North America in our mission of starting and shaping faith communities that love like Jesus, click on the link for our website in the show notes to learn more and fill out a, the contact form. We hope you'll be joining us again soon.